If you will, take your Bible and turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. I told you of my schedule yesterday, and that's a pretty impressive schedule, but what I didn't tell you is that Monday night, I got to sleep about 9.30, and I was awakened around 1 o'clock, and I simply could not go back to sleep. And uh, um, I began to pray. Actually, I've been pray this prayer. It's a very deeply spiritual prayer. Lord, would you please help me go back to sleep? And it wasn't to be. And this passage of Scripture that we're going to read came to mind. So it's, it's an extended passage, uh, and, but I want, I, want to get the, I want you to have the background of the story. Beginning in verse 1, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Martha who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother was ill. So the sister sent to him, that is to Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. I'm just going to tell you that this is a time that Jesus had already pointed his face toward Jerusalem. It was getting really tense around Jerusalem. And verse 8 says, the disciples said to him, Rabbi... The Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. Now, I want to pause there and say, aren't we like the disciples sometimes? Jesus tries to speak to us in spiritual terms, and he has to come back and tell us plainly because we don't get what he's trying to say. Verse 15, for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let's go to him. So Thomas called the twin. He was a Baptist. He said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found Lazarus had been dead for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Do I have to paint a picture for anybody there? Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. 
Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and he's calling for you. <clears throat> when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. <laughs> now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, See if this sounds familiar. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. <coughs> would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, to, and he said Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. The shortest verse, and I would argue one of the most emotional verses in the Bible, is verse 35. Jesus wept. On that Monday night, as I got up and began to study, and I, I began to, to think about this verse, two questions come to my mind. Jesus wept. Two questions come to my mind. First of all, it's, what does it take to get Jesus to cry? Second question was, what does it take for you and me to cry? What does it take for us to weep? Psalm 30 says, weeping may endure for night. One translation, I love this, says, weeping may spend the night, but it's joy that comes in the morning. And weeping has something, something to do with that in our physical human beings. So I ask you, what does it take for Jesus to, to weep? What does it take for him to cry? And as I, read the, as I read the Word, a number of things jumps out at me. Perhaps it was... The death of Lazarus, his friend. Perhaps um, because he and Lazarus were friends because he loved him. You know, certainly it's a possibility that he was weeping that Lazarus had passed. I mean, I mean, conversely, would Jesus really ever weep over one of his children passing from this life into eternal rest? But... Jesus was human. He was God-man, and the man part of him might have been weeping for his friend being lost. Just weeping for the death of Lazarus. Could it be that he was weeping for the hurt of his sisters, the hurt of those sisters, Mary and Martha? I mean, when you read the, when you read the text, when you go back in Scripture and you see uh, how... How one had anointed his feet and washed his feet with her hair. It's obvious 
that he was very close to this family and to see these sisters just torn up at the death of their brothers. It says he was moved. Could it be that he was moved to tears and he wept? I mean, he was seeing the death of Lazarus. He was seeing the hurt of the sisters. Perhaps it was the emotion of the crowd. Have you ever been in a crowd? Whether it's a funeral or a wedding or a new baby or something going on, and everybody around you is crying and all of a sudden tears are coming down your eyes. And you don't have a clue why. I mean, when I first went to the funeral home, we, we had a kid to get killed, and I was working the funeral window. And everybody was around there so broken up, next thing I know, tears are coming down my eyes. Could it be that he was just caught up in the weeping and the hurt and the emotion of the crowd? That he saw that? Could it be that what he saw was moving him? Could it be? Could it be that what really caused him to cry was what he saw in the crowd because he saw their lack of faith? Because he saw their lack of understanding? And he knew they had lack. They did not have full faith and full understanding because he was hearing all the grief-stricken comments. I mean, I'm, I highlighted it as we read it here. It's obvious that Martha and Mary had sat where Mary remained seated and had been talking about Jesus is not coming. And what would have been different if Jesus had been there? Lord, if you had been there... He would have not died. And, 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 even, and even when Jesus re- responded to Martha and said, Hey, your brother's going to rise. She said, she had already said, well, whatever, I know that God will answer whatever thing you want to do. But she couldn't get her hands around the fact that Jesus was the resurrection. She couldn't get her hands around because in her deep grief, In her deep grief, she couldn't see what Jesus was doing. Could it be that lack of faith? Could it be that lack of understanding? When Mary said to him, if you'd only been here, it seems to me as I read the text, it says when Jesus saw her weeping, it seems to me that He saw that she was in such pain that he didn't try to tell her what he told Martha. Could it have been that with what he saw, he saw his friend dead, he saw the hurt of the sisters, he saw saw the crowd, the emotion and the hurt in the crowd. He, He saw that people didn't understand what was going on and seemed to not have... Could it be what he saw that caused him to weep? Possibly. But it might have been not what he saw. It might be what he didn't see in that crowd, in that family. From the get-go, when he received word about Lazarus being sick, it was obvious that this sickness, remember what he said? This sickness is not to death. Well, he's dead. But it is for the glory of God and that the Son of Man can be glorified. And I'll tell you a couple of things that, he, that he's not, actually two or three things he's not seeing here. First of all, he's not seeing the people having the understanding of the power of God. I mean, think about it. At least two times, Dr. Luke recorded that Jesus has already raised people from the dead. 
The widow's son just passed by and he raised him from the dead. Jairus' daughter, he raised her from the dead. Jesus has already proven that God could use him to raise people from the dead. But somehow in their grief, that escapes them. Could it be that that is why? That Jesus is weeping and he's crying because they don't, they don't see what the, the power of God, they don't see what God can do. Could that be the reason that so little gets happen, that happens in the church of a divine nature today is because we really don't see and we really don't know, we really don't believe in the power of God. Perhaps it's not just the power of God. Perhaps they couldn't see the power of God and then they, they couldn't see the plan of God. You see... Every time Jesus speaks to counter these people, he is trying to tell them that this is happening to bring glory to God. But nobody wants to hear that. You see, folks, too often we see a problem in the here and now, and while our Lord sees the opportunity for the there and then. We see it in terms of time. He sees it in terms of eternity. We see it in terms of what we like. He sees it in terms of bringing glory to the Father. That's what Jesus was here for. That's what the church is here for. That is what we are here for. You see, folks, in our lives, in our churches, in our worship experiences, our Sunday school classes, our relationships, the one thing that you and I should be about is bringing glory to God. That is His plan. And when we bring glory to God, wonderful things happen. When we bring glory to God in all that we do, what happens is we can, we can see what they couldn't see. We can see the purpose of God. We can see the purpose of God. Most of the time, much of the time, we have a trouble look we have trouble looking through the hurt of life to see the purpose of God. God has a purpose for everything that happens. Whatever goes on. God has a purpose. I've already said it in Jesus' life, in very simple terms. He came to give the Father glory. And you go, well, no, He came to save souls. Watch this. Every time we give God glory, when we put God in His place, souls are drawn to the Father. Every time when we cast our eyes on, the, on, on God and, and letting our lives glorify Him, magnify Him, shine light on Him, then people's lives are drawn to Him. When I think of the, when I think of the purposes of God, I'm reminded of that occasion when Jesus sat on the hill. And he looked over Jerusalem, and he wept. Jerusalem was the holy city. Jerusalem was God's chosen people. Jerusalem is where he wanted things to happen. Jerusalem had been given so much. They'd been given so many opportunities. They were literally the apple of the Father's eye. And yet it was Jerusalem that rejected God's greatest gift, His only Son. 
Couldn't it have been all of this is what it took Jesus for, for Jesus to, to cry? Could it be these things that break his heart to the point of him shedding tears? Over the years, as I've read this story, you've heard me say it. I've always thought that one of the reasons he wept is because he was about to step to Lazarus' grave, call Lazarus by name, and call him back to this place from that place. Perhaps that's true. But whatever it was, it caused him deep pain to the point of crying. Whichever one or all of those or collage of those items, we don't know what all Jesus' motivation was, but we know that he was moved so deeply that the Bible says Jesus wept. Now I want to change all that's introduction. Now I want to change tracks. What does it take for Jesus to weep? What does it take for him to cry? I want to make it personal for the last few minutes. What does it take for you to cry? How long has it been since you had yourself a really good cry? What does it take to touch and break your heart? What, what moves your heart? Is it what moves his heart? We tend to get caught up to things on earth. We get, tend to be caught up in things around us. Since most of us in this room, most of us, are not what we would call young adults. I want to do something that I really try to refrain from because when I was a young person, I always hated the preacher to go, well, back in my day, I remember. But I want to speak about this thing of crying just for a second. Every time I read this story, a lot of things kind of flood to my mind. What is the deal with crying? What, what does it mean? What does it do? I'm just going to tell you, give you a confession that I don't have to make. When I was a young boy, child, I was given much grief because I cried at everything. You hurt my feelings, I cried. You hit me, I cried. You spoke harsh to me, I cried. Bless my family's heart, I think back over it. And we were, we were the Watts family for crying out loud. Troy knows what I'm talking about. Such tough nuts is that the way you handle somebody who cries like a baby. Boy, boys are not supposed to cry. Cries like a baby, cries like a girl. So you start calling them girly names. You start making fun of them and berating them. No. Don't feel hard at my family. What I will say to you is we just didn't know any better. The way you, the way you got somebody to change behavior when I was a kid is you shamed them until they changed behavior. But you know what most people don't realize is that crying is good for you. Crying has a psych, psychologist research 
has proven the point that crying calms you down, slows your breathing. My personal observation from years past was when people cry, it made their heart softer toward the hurt and needs of others. It's kind of like that ground that you try to plant the garden in. It's hard as rocks. All you got to do is add a little water, and it softens. Same thing is true with our heart. With that background, let's kind of run on the downhill run here of this message. Personally, I remember. Here's this memory. I remember a day when regularly the altars were filled with people who were weeping. They were weeping over friends and loved ones and neighbor and family who were lost. They're weeping over lost souls because they had a deep belief that without Jesus, they'd go to hell. There was no rationalizing it out. There was no saying that actions and being out of church was going to be okay. They'd cry. Perhaps it wasn't someone that never trusted Christ. People would come to the altar and they would cry about children who had literally rebelled from God and walked away from God because they believed there would be a judgment one day, because they believed if they died rebelling against God, living in immorality, living, living in disobedience, they believed that there would be a punishment. And people wept over that. People would even come to the altar and weep over their own sin. And they would, they would shed those tears because they would actually see themselves in light of, of God like Isaiah did. And when Isaiah saw the Lord, he said, not only woe is me, I am not only unworthy, I'm unclean, I'm undone. He said, and by the way, and I live in a, among a bunch of people who are the same way as I am. Do you remember those days? Do you remember when people would come and just spill their hearts out to the Lord? By the way, as an aside, one of my personal observations, people rarely got up from crying before the Lord and wrecked a ministry because their hearts were too soft and sensitive. You see, you weep before the Lord and you meet the Lord when your spirit's soft. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, Actions seem to take on the same characteristics as the Lord's. Of all the things that the message of our Lord Jesus is, it is a message of the heart. It deals with the issues of the heart because it is in the heart that we feel, it is in the heart that we know, it is in the heart that we repent, it is in the heart that we believe. About 30 years ago, I was using a chorus. Quite honestly, most of my Southern Baptist 
minister music friends and pastors really didn't like me to use because it was too emotional. This is what we'd sing at invitation time. Hear the words. Move me with your message once again. It's been so long since I've been broke within. Please take me back once more to Calvary and let your Holy Spirit flow through me. I believe when Jesus wept at the, ta- at the tomb of Lazarus, I believe that the Spirit of God was ministering to him. I believe that his heart was being prepared for what laid ahead. I believe that obviously something broke within him in his human spirit. And he spent time before the Lord before he performed this wonderful miracle. I end with this question. How long has it been since you've been broken like that? How long has it been since you've been broken by your sin? Broken by the fact that one of your loved ones had just turned their back on the Lord and wept uncontrollably. It's my thought that if Jesus wept, so should we. Let's pray together.